Hello, this is Nels Davis, and welcome to episode 148 of the Secrets of Product Management podcast. In this episode, how to learn product management fundamental skills and characteristics, and what are they even? The genesis for this episode was Carl Velotti asked a question on LinkedIn a few months ago. What is the first skill you'd teach a new product manager? I thought this was a very interesting question. He was making the assumption that most new product managers are good or great on the solution side and have technical chops. This isn't really true. Well, there's lots of product managers who enter who aren't technical, but probably the majority of product managers do come from a technical field. So the thing that I suggested, and there's a lot of good suggestions, and I'll put a link to Carl's question into the show notes. I suggested that the thing they often don't know how to do is inquiry and how to stay in problem space. This is a fundamental challenge for human beings, for product managers, for all of us, to stay in problem space. We love to get into solution space. And in particular, if you have a background as an engineer, you're likely to be trained in solving problems, not necessarily finding them. So my response was that I thought teaching people how to ask good questions using the five W's and one H and plus two, as I call it, is a really good practice, and it's something that most people don't actually learn how to do. And you're not going to get far or be very successful as a product manager without learning how to be good at inquiry. Now, a close second would be to actually focus on how to stay in problem space. Again, assuming most new product managers are great at the solution space already. So the point is that they're likely to be weak at this, and it's a fundamental skill for everything we do in product management. So let me just give you a few examples of situations where a new product manager needs to ask good questions in order to be effective earlier in their new job. You know, often the most valuable thing a new product manager can do is to start making some decisions because often one of the symptoms of their not being a PM or one of the reasons they need a PM is because the team is having a hard time making doing prioritization, figuring out what to work on next, and that's actually what we're good at as product managers. But if you don't know anything, what do you, how do you have to, what do you have to do? Well, you have to start asking questions. You know, should we do X or Y? And you have to learn some things about X and some things about Y to give yourself some basis for comparison. And you don't usually need to be highly technical or have a highly technical understanding of X or Y to make that decision. You have to learn some things about what happens if you don't do X or what happens if we don't do Y. Can we do both or should we do neither? If we choose X, does it mean we never do Y? You know, things like this that are really not technical questions, but that can help you form the basis of some prioritization or the ability to make a decision, assuming the decision is between X and Y. And of course, one of the things that you also learn as a product manager is that there's never only two choices. There's never an X or a Y. There's always other combinations. But initially, trying to figure out if you're presented with that problem, which one should I do? That's going to be a lot of asking questions, doing some probing, doing inquiry to learn what is going on and to give yourself some insights into how to, how to make that decision. You know, another really important question, you know, what, what's the worst that can happen if we choose X or if we choose X and it turns out to be the wrong decision, can we still do Y or is there some fundamental thing that changes if we do X and that we can't come back from, you know, is it a one-way decision or a two-way decision? So that's an example of, you know, why you need to ask those questions. And in fact, 
the great thing about being a new product manager is in one sense you have kind of a free pass to not know anything. You kind of have child's mind. You can ask naive questions. So I'd suggest doing some research beforehand, you know, try to find the answers in Confluence or whatever the documentation is. But if the answers aren't there, well, that usually not only means that lots of people don't know that answer, but it's sort of tribal knowledge. If that, and there may not be anybody that even knows, the power move then is to document those answers as you learn them because chances are no one has done that. Now, I actually did this in one of my jobs. It's been really powerful to have this drawing that I did of a particular flow that happens uh, when customers join my company, when we get new clients, that never had really been articulated before. And I'm able to articulate it for people. And they always say, wow, I didn't know that's how that worked. This is, I've had, I've had the same picture for five years. It's amazing. Um, and so what I would suggest, in fact, a way to do this, it's, it's exactly replicate what I did. Get someone to start drawing that flow out for you of whatever it is that you're trying to understand. Ask them what each box is if it's not super clear. Repeat the description back. Ask clarifying questions. Update the diagram. Draw your own version and get people to give you feedback. And pretty soon you might find out you actually know more than anyone else, any single person, about what's doing, about what's going on. And I've done this, and it's quite amazing. And I, there's lots of situations I've been in where simply figuring out what that flow is, getting it drawn, getting it organized, can create a huge amount of value. Because you come in with beginner's mind, it's a perfect time to do that when you first get started. But what else does a new product manager need to learn or do? So obviously my answer was ask these questions, and I have reasons for that. But I was thinking about all the other characteristics and skills that product managers need to have. And one of the things that I've always wondered about, and I asked the folks on LinkedIn, is do you have to be kind of born with these skills or can you learn them? And obviously we get better at the skills and characteristics and maybe we don't always start out with them. But for example, I asked on LinkedIn, can empathy be taught? It's obviously a fundamental characteristic, at least of most good product managers, that they're empathetic. They can put themselves in the customer's shoes or in other people's shoes, you know, the salesperson's shoes, the developer's shoes, because you have to be able to do that to do motivation and to help people learn how to sell and to understand your customer's problems that you're trying to solve. Well, the consensus on LinkedIn and the answers, and, and I've validated this elsewhere, people do think that you can learn to be more empathetic. In fact, there's a bunch of Udemy courses on how to be more empathetic. And it's often combined with how to have higher emotional intelligence and things like that. And I'm going to extend that insight into all the characteristics required of a good product manager. And I'm not even saying great, by the way. These are all base skills that you have to have. So you can take these Udemy courses on communicating with empathy and becoming an empathetic leader and emotional intelligence practitioner certificate. There's a, there's a certification for emotional intelligence. Kind of amazing. But if you think about some of the other skills and characteristics and aptitudes and strengths, you can kind of make a taxonomy of these things. There's skills like persuasion and influence. And of course, I must think you should, you can learn that stuff because I teach it that there are characteristics. Like I mentioned, empathy, curiosity is really important. Your mindset, open versus closed, fixed versus growth. And there's several other ones. And the th idea is that it's better in most cases to have a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. 
and that if you have a fixed mindset, you can change your mindset to become a growth mindset. You can learn how to have a growth mindset. That's not my idea. That's in the book called Mindset by Carol Dweck. She talks about things you can do to move from having a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. And then there's things like aptitudes, like whether you're good with language or you're future-oriented or you have a big-picture mind or you're numerate, meaning you understand numbers really well, or you have mental flexibility, you can change switch context a lot. And then your strengths. What are your strengths? Things like planning and taking action, working with others, being organized, having ideas. Those are all strengths. And we all come with sort of a different set of combinations of those things. And the reality is not all can be taught. And in particular, if you don't have a particular strength or aptitude for something, you might not ever be able to get to mastery level of that aptitude or strength. But you can get better. And, you know, we can, you can improve in every one of these places. Or you can take do mitigations. You, for example, numeracy. You know, some people say that they are just not good with numbers. I, I don't know if I believe it, but let's posit that. I'm, I happen to be good with numbers, so it's hard for me to imagine people not being good with numbers, although many people do struggle. Does that mean that they haven't worked hard enough or they just haven't gotten the right training? Maybe. But if you're not good with numbers and, you need to be a, and you're a product manager, you need to come up with a way to deal with numbers because it's really important to make decisions based on quantities in product management. How likely is this feature going to result in more sales and how many sales than this other feature, right? That's a fundamental thing. Or how valuable is this market space, which is a kind of a numeric question, and how can we access the people in the market space? How many of them can we access? If we hit a certain percentage of them, what does that mean for our business? Things like that. A lot of numbers involved in product management. But they t typically are not exact numbers, they're sort of round numbers, but you still have to sort of understand how they fit together. So if you can't learn to be better at numbers, you need to mitigate that with some other kind of skill or strength, like maybe getting others to help you when the numbers side of things comes up, right? Maybe you have a colleague who's really good with numbers, you're really good with something else, and you and the other person can help each other mitigate the areas of weakness with the er with your areas of strengths. Now. In my book, The Super Product Manager Handbook, I actually gave a list of the skills and characteristics and mindsets. Technical credibility is a skill that I think is really important for product managers. doesn't mean you have to be technical, but you have to be able to have a somewhat technical conversation and understand some aspects of technical conversations. You need to have communication skills, obviously, because pretty much all we do is communicate with people all the time. I mentioned numeracy. You have to have characteristics like empathy, and mental flexibility and agility because you're doing lots of context switches. You're doing lots of perspective switches from 30,000 feet to ground level to 30,000 feet and back and so forth. You have to be able to change your mind when given evidence, but you have to be able to strongly defend your position. Before you change your mind, both of those things are important. You have to have good mindsets that help you make progress like a growth versus fixed mindset. So there's a list in my book. There's a few more that I'd add in the four years since the book came out, like curiosity. I give a hat tip to Saeed Khan for this one, and that was actually part of that conversation about what was one of the first things, what's one of the first things you need to teach a new product manager. Well, curiosity is a really important, a really important characteristic for any product manager. Why is this the way it is? 
how can we make it better? Those are all things that actually are also related to my questions, being able to ask the five W's and an H, the what, who, what, when, where, why, and how, and following on those questions and guiding the conversation so you can learn more when you're doing discovery or understanding why something is the way it is. And then, you know, the skills, being able to ask good questions. I talked about that. It also really goes along with emotional intelligence and curiosity and open-mindedness. But asking questions is a skill. It's not a characteristic, as I already discussed. And then persuasion and influence, another really big thing. Didn't talk about that in my book much, but it's something I've talked about a lot, of course, on this podcast since then. Now, how do you learn these things? Well, Udemy has courses on all of these topics, and you can go take a Udemy course. They tend to be pretty cheap. I don't think I can vouch for them in the sense that I haven't taken those courses, but you know, you can certainly learn something. You can practice. You can also assess yourself, figure out where your, where your gaps are and buy a book. There's all kinds of things. You can go to product school. Product school teaches a lot of product management skills, sort of hard skills, technical skills, but lots of soft skills and they help enhance your characteristics like empathy and things like that. That's something that, that they teach as well. Of course, you can work with a coach like me. You can take lots of, there's lots of courses and things from various different people, but you can build up all of these skills. And of course you do need to, in order to be an effective product manager. So what is the list and where do we know where, where we stand? Sort of what's the bottom line? Well, all these skills and characteristics and aptitudes are important. Some can be learned, all can be improved. And no matter where you are in your product management career, you should assess yourself. Where do you need polishing? Where do you need to learn a new skill? And I have three things you can start doing today that I'm going to suggest. Three assessments that you can take. One is free. One is inexpensive. One is actually a kind of a chunk of change, but worth it. That can sort of help you get started on this path to augmenting, building up, strengthening all of these skills, characteristics, and mindsets. The first one is Ryan Godfordson's mindset assessment. This is really good. I took it a couple years ago. He assesses in this free assessment. I'll put the link to the assessment in the show notes. Four mindsets, open versus closed, fixed versus growth, um, promotion versus prevention. And there's one more. I would, whenever there's four things, and I try to remember them off the top of my head. I always can remember three and never the fourth. It's always a different three, though, each time. Anyway, there's four of them. It's a free assessment. It's really worth taking. A lot of insight in the results that you get to about where you are, what you can do to, to improve or change. Each of these mindsets has sort of a good side and a uh, one end. One end of the spectrum. One end of the continuum is good, and the other end's bad. Like growth is better than fixed if you want to be effective in the world. Open is better than closed if you want to be effective in the world and so on. So all, And he gives guidance on how to improve and move toward the, the more valuable mindset in each of this, uh, in the results of this assessment. So that's number one. Number two is the Clifton Strengths Finder. I have recommended this on a lot of episodes before. I think knowing your strengths, and it's the Strengths Finder thing seems to be relatively scientific, kind of. It's a pretty good predictor. I feel that the strengths that it said I had and the and the areas where it thought I don't have strengths or that I'm weaker were very accurate and actually gave me a lot of insights. So the way you do the Clifton Strengths Finder, you buy the book 
And then you take the online test using the code in the book, which gives you your top five strengths. I recommend paying the extra 50 bucks or whatever to get the full list of strengths in order so you also know what your weaknesses are. It's actually, I, I found that as valuable as knowing what my strengths were. And then once you know your strengths, then you can go listen to some of the old episodes of Lisa Cummings' podcast, which is called Lead Through Strengths, to learn what to do about your strengths and how to make use of them effectively. And I also talk about strengths in a few other episodes, episode 84 and, and episode 75, which I will put links to in the show notes again. I, I'm always talking about strengths on this podcast because I think they're really powerful. And then finally, another thing I have mentioned on the podcast before, the Johnson O'Connor Aptitude Test. So Johnson O'Connor, he was a researcher at GE in the 30s and 40s, and he did some assessments of what makes workers effective. It was, you know, the GE is a big company. They wanted to make sure that their workers were being as effective as possible. So he did this research. He found that there were roughly 20 different aptitudes that people could have. Typically, a person has two or three aptitudes. They're strong in two or three of these areas and relatively weak in the other areas. You can get much better to even potentially to mastery in the areas where you have a strength. And for areas where you're weaker, you can get better, but you can probably can't get to mastery. The test itself, it's about 800 bucks. It takes most of two days. You do it in person, at least used to. I don't know, post-COVID, they may have a remote version as well. It is very eye-opening to get these results. I know many people who have taken it. It's kind of a thing that my family does, and a lot of our friends have done it, and we've, we encourage them because we think it's so valuable. Everyone has found the results useful and insightful and has actually been able to make use of, it, use of the results in their career. So I'll put links to all of these in the show notes at secretsofpm.com slash 148. This is, episode has kind of gone around a few different topics, but it's really been about, well, how do we get, really, how do we get better at the fundamental skills and characteristics and talents and aptitudes of being an effective product manager? And the answer is, well, you can do it. You have to do an assessment. You have to figure out where you're weak, where you can strengthen yourselves, and actually, one of the things about doing the Strengths Finder and the Aptitude, the Johnson O'Connor Aptitude stuff, is that you can find out where putting effort in will have a really big payback because you can get closer to mastery uh, versus where effort might not get you very much in, ret in return. One of the things I mentioned, the Lisa Cummings podcast, she talks a lot about not just how to use your strengths, but also how to mitigate your weaknesses and how you can work with people that have other strengths to mitigate your weaknesses, or how you can even use your strengths to mitigate your weaknesses, and that's often possible. So I suggest those are those are three great things. I've done all those things. I've I'm constantly recommending them. I go back to all of these things and revisit them because I I find them so powerful. And I hope you do too. I, let me know what your results are. I mean, not what your results of the tests are. You don't have to tell me what your strengths are. You can share that if you want. But I mean, if you happen to take one of these assessments, I'd love to hear how you felt about it and whether you were able to make use of the results that you got and whether they gave you insights into yourself and how you work with others and how you can become more effective as a product manager. I'd love to hear about that. This has been episode 148 of the Secrets of Product Management podcast. I'm your host, Nels Davis. 
I have a lot of episodes about all kinds of stuff related to these topics and many others about product management, all focused on product management. Of course, you should go check out the backlog of episodes. You should subscribe to the podcast so it downloads automatically to your little device where whenever a new episode comes out. And you can find all kinds of resources and things on the show notes page for this episode and all the other episodes. I put pretty extensive show notes up. And there's all kinds of interesting information there. I'm always actually a little surprised when I go back to some of these shows and I find, oh, look at that. I have a link for that. I have a link for this other thing. That's pretty cool. And I often go back and revisit my old shows just because they have these interesting links and information associated to them. So I highly recommend visiting visiting the website, secretsofpm.com, checking out the show notes of this episode and all the other ones. You'll find a lot of good stuff there. Subscribe to the podcast. If you enjoyed it and you think your friends or colleagues might enjoy it, please recommend it to them as well or share it to them and send them the link. Say, you must listen to this because it's awesome. I would appreciate that. That would be fantastic. And if you really are dedicated, giving me a review on one of the podcast host platforms, whether that's iTunes or Spotify or wherever, that is really valuable, helps more listeners find the show and help spread the word about product management and all that cool stuff. So until next time, this has been Nels Davis. Bye-bye.